Hello, everybody, and welcome to the All Squash Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Pitcher winners for your reconsideration. I am your host today, Stephen Butcher, and joining me, as always, Amy Thomason. Amy, happy December. We made it. Happy we made December. it. Woo, what up? And to celebrate December, it is the start of our listener request Christmas gift month. Woo! Yay! Thank you all so much for sending in your requests the past few months. We got a lot, and I assure you we will get to them in the future. We picked the four best, the four the four films that people argued for, you know, succinctly, coherently, lovingly. And you guys write some good essays, man. We're hella did. impressed. She's, a, she's an English teacher, folks. She knows Indeed. what she's talking about. And first up today, the request from Mr. Anthony for 1990s Avalon. And what did Mr. Anthony, last name omitted for reasons, have to say about this film? All right, first, platitudes towards us. He loves us. Uh, Oh, no, no, no. no, no, I know. Okay. Okay. Members, I did not see any of these emails, so for all I know, Steve could have made up all these movies by himself. For the so, record, I do, you do have, I think you do have the passion. I don't. Do, I only have access to Facebook. I need to fix that. Anyways, okay, we'll we'll work on that. <laughs> okay, hi there. First, I love your podcast. When you did a recent podcast on the Goodbye Girl, I was so thrilled to hear you both loved it as much as I did. Slash oh, do. Anthony, it's one of my absolute people. favorites. I appreciate you allowing us to share what movies we think should be discussed in December. And I'd like to add my request, which is Avalon from 1991. Technically 1990, but whatever. Well, this was nominated for four Oscars, screenplay, cinematography, costume design, and original score. It walked away empty-handed. In my humble opinion, it should have been nominated for even more. I think both Armin Mueller-Stahl and Joan Plowright should have been supporting nominees, and the picture itself should have been nominated. It is such a sweet, heartfelt, and touching movie about the American dream and how it can impact a family especially one with multiple generations who are very prideful about their countries of origin and how that transfers to living and thriving in America. I hate the suburbs. It's such a great line. And the whole Thanksgiving dinner scene, and the uncle shows up last, as always, is... but the family decides to start eating without him, and then he walks in, classic, with an exclamation point. So that's my request. I know a lot of them will come in, and of course, you'll accept this for your consideration. Thank you, Anthony. And I read that. We love you. We love you. We love you so much. Recommending this movie. This has been one of those like on my list movies that I'd forgotten about. But as soon as Steve told me, hey, we're doing Avalon, I was like, awesome. (laughs) Now I can finally watch it. I. Yes, the Goodbye Girl kicks ass. That was when the great Neil Simon died. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for making us feel good. I completely forgot this movie existed i guess it's one of those it's one of those 90s films that are like oh yeah it's this so when anthony recommended this i go this is precisely the thing we want as i i expected there would be some like you should do the dark knight because of course you should do the dark. i'm like yeah that's and that's fine and one day we will get to the dark knight uh, nobody actually did request the dark knight so yay thank you everyone <laughs> thank you amy certainly thanks you because i know she did not want to do that movie but uh, but uh, but a, fi- a film like <laughs> a film like this that was critically well received, even nominated for some Oscars, as Anthony said, but it's a bit forgotten. That's why we wanted. To, that's why we. That's why we put this out here because I would never have thought of this. I would just. And Barry look at- Levison has directed a lot of those 
good movies but Barry, forgotten. Yeah, he is a, a solid director, and he does his name doesn't come up as much as it should. Right, he is he's he's, he's low key good. He did uh, the Natural Diner, Diner, Diner's great. Good Which Morning Vietnam. That's okay. Rain Man. He won the Academy Award for directing Rain Man. He did Bugsy. He had like it's like Rain Man. I think this, then Bugsy, it's like one, two, three. Like that's a solid run of films right there. And yeah, you know, he's he's been up and down. He directed Sphere. We aren't going to hold it against him, but he also directed Wag the Dog, which is an amazing movie. So, uh, the guy who I think does not get enough credit and hasn't been done a lot of like great stuff recently. I think his last great movie was probably Bandits in two thousand one, but that movie was great. I love that so much. A guy who is a, 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 work, a working director who does uh, does some solid work. And uh, if you'd like to hear more about that, you can listen to our episode on Rain Man from way back in the day with former co-host Alex Rubiello. A lot of, a lot of fun talking about that. But, Anthony, thank you so much for writing in, requesting this movie. This is precisely the kind of movie we want to talk about during this month of listener requests. Little scene, much-loved not your typical film that you would normally think of. Maybe it wasn't even nominated for an Oscar. This was, but we're gonna get. We are here for your reconsideration, and I uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. The film directed by Barry Levinson, written by Barry Levinson, starring Armin Mueller-Stahl, Aidan Quinn, Kevin Pollak, Elizabeth Perkins, Joan Plowright, and a very young Elijah Wood. Oh, many... baby! Oh my God, I didn't even he recognize a him. He's in this movie. Like, wow, he, doesn't... he still has those eyes, though. It's amazing. Those eyes. And the uh, IMDb synopsis is as follows. A Polish-Jewish family comes to the USA at the beginning of the 20th century. There, the family and their children try to make themselves a better future in the so-called promised land. And, well, we've already we've already kind of... Gave the game away. It was nominated for several Academy Awards. We're going to take a quick break, come back, discuss those, and maybe briefly give some fast opinions on the Academy Awards that year, which, as some of you might know, were and still are very contentious. So stick around. I came to America in 1914 by way of Philadelphia. That's where I got off the boat. And then I came to Baltimore. It was the most beautiful place you've ever seen in your life. There were lights everywhere. What lights they had. It was a celebration of lights. I thought they were for me. Sam was in America. Sam was in America. I walked under them. The sky 
exploded. People cheered. There were fireworks. What a welcome it was. What a welcome. I didn't know where my brothers were. I had an address on a letter, but when I went there, they'd moved. I found a man who knew the name Kretschinski. He was a little man with big shoes. I'll never forget him. He had such big shoes. They were brand new, beautiful shoes. He told me this was how he made his living. He would break in shoes for the wealthy, stuff them with newspaper and walk in them. I said, what a country is this? What a country. Wealthy didn't even have to break in their own shoes. <laughs> ah, so this man with the shoes took me down. One street after another, we walked and walked, and the skies would light up and explode in a celebration. And then we came to Avalon, and the man with the shoes yelled, Kaczynski! Kaczynski! <laughs> And my four brothers looked down and saw me. Sam! Sam. Sam. And that's when I came to America. It was the 4th of July. The 63rd Annual Academy Awards took place on March 25th, 1991. We have not discussed any of those films yet. The winner that year was Dances with Wolves. And Amy, all right, now I, I guess I will just give you a little time to talk about why Dances with Wolves probably shouldn't have won because there was another movie that came out that year, right? A little, a little film. Fellas, oh, yeah, good film. Movie ever. Mm-hmm. Tied for third on the Amy Thomas and Top 100. That being said, Dances with Wolves is a fine film. It, it is, is well made, it is well acted, the score is beautiful. You really don't get a lot of flaws. Right. It's that just being that said, once you watch it one time, that's it. You're done. You don't need to ever watch it again. Goodfellas, I at least watch once a year. And I quote as part of my daily lexicon. You cannot make spaghetti sauce in the Thompson household without saying stir the sauce. My husband cannot shine his shoes without me telling him to go get his fucking shine box. Yes. Classic. Um, very, very classic. Yes, we will discuss uh, that more in depth as uh, the weeks, months, and years come along. I, for one, am very much looking forward to it. Like, I really do like Dances with Wolves. Goodfellas is amazing. It's a great movie. It's, 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 it is. It is. It is. It's yeah, it's, a it's, masterpiece. It's, and to me, Scorsese's greatest film of all time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's and it, and it's not it's not as egregious as the year previously when a very undeserving film, Driving Miss Daisy, won yeah, out over not, men, not, over much better competition. Yeah, it's not Oliver, it's not Gigi, it's not you know, it's a solid film that also really became a big deal in the pop culture. So oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's, I can't begrudge it too much. However, Scorsese not winning Best Director that year. Oh, Kevin Costner. Done Kevin recently. Costner. <laughs> Seriously. Nothing. He followed that up with Waterworld. Uh, he did not technically direct Waterworld. Kevin Reynolds 
directed Waterworld, although it's though it's been in, it intimated that Kostner picked up most of it. But he did all he did direct the Postman, which I'm not gonna lie, I really enjoy the Postman. Uh, it's one of those bad movies that I just. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Avalon. Avalon was nominated oh. for four Academy Awards. Walked home empty-handed. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. What did it lose to? Ghost. Ghost. I feel like you. I feel like Ghost is a movie you just really don't like on principle. I don't. Okay. All right. See. I don't understand how it was nominated for Best Picture. The only thing I could say about it is again, it's iconic. Anytime anybody does pottery, you think ghost. Ghost, yeah. It's got it's got and Swayze Whoopi being Goldberg. honest. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. She was great. But it's it, and that Righteous Brother song makes me like viscerally angry. My husband <laughs> will put it on and I will be like, I wanna like punch a baby in the face. That song makes me it makes me angry. Like not only do I not like it, like Wow, okay. Like jam a fork. Do you like ear. the Righteous Brother song in Top Gun? I don't like any of them. They're all terrible. I need to, <laughs> I need to find. I'm taking uh, taking a request for a new co-host. If anybody feels like they have, <laughs> they're up for it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it lost Ghost, which I believe is one of the highest-grossing films of the year. Just one of those films that just hits the right time, the right place. Gets nominated so for a bunch of Oscar watch. A popular Washington. movie was nominated for best. What? Picture. I don't know. I th- I thought we only nominated special. Category? Yeah, I thought we only nominated art house films. That's that's so strange. It was also uh, Avalon was also nominated for best cinematography. It lost to Dances with Wolves. Can't begrudge it that much. Dances with Wolves is a beautiful looking film. Best costume design lost to Cyrano de Bergerac. We have, you know, we are, you know, there have been a lot of Cyrano de Bergerac films that have won. That I feel like you can't really get behind. Did there was anyone ever watch anything? Any Cyrano besides Roxanne with Steve Martin, which is lovely. And... Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, before he, he has... was before he was a very hot mess. Like, oh man, it's... he is. And I don't say this often. He is severely unattractive. I don't understand it's, it's... why he's in anything. Yeah, uh, he's French. I don't. I don't know. I think he was a thing, but now he's. A parody of he's, of himself, but he's like grotesque. He's not. I mean, you know, like I see like John Goodman. I see something kind of sexy about John Goodman. It's not that he's a big guy. Like Steve Buscemi, I think is sexy, but Gerard Depardieu just. Well, <laughs> it's great in that Three Musketeers movie. I don't know, just that just played to his strength, I guess. Anyways, and finally, it was nominated for best original score by Randy Newman. Yay! Yay! Lost Yay. to John Barry for Dances with Wolves. Tough Again, I'm yeah. I, it's a really, really great. Whatever you think about the movie, the score is so good. It, it sounds a lot like his score for Out of Africa, though. Like my mom, that's her movie, and we used to have to listen to that music all the time in our house. So when I saw Dances with Wolves in the theater when I was in fifth grade. As soon as I heard the music, I'm like, this sounds just like Out of Africa. And then I found out, oh, it's the same guy. But he also did the line in Winter. Yeah, he's been he's been around a long time and doing some doing 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 some fine work. And you know what? Randy Newman's been around a while. He spends yeah he spends what half a day writing the score to any movie and then just gets nominated for an Oscar. I think that's how it works. It just seems like he but recycles everything. But yeah, of course they're, they're all, he's Randy Newman. He's good. You've got but, a friend in me. We, we, in my house, we sing this song every day. Oh yeah. It's no, it's, it's all great. Fun. But you know, Randy Newman, he's, uh, he's, he's, he 
he's loved. He's got he's gotten several Oscars throughout his career. John Barry's gotten several Oscars. I think uh, I think the score to Dancing with Wolves is fantastic. Yes. Score score to this movie is great, but there's uh, is something iconic about Dances with Wolves that really just makes it drives it home. It's great. It's lovely. It's lovely. Um, well, we're gonna take a short break. Come back, discuss Avalon, and at the end we're gonna discuss what movies do we think it deserved to be nominated for Best Picture, and what other awards should it have gotten right after this break? Without me? You cut the turkey without me? Come on, relieve. They start without us, we go. Every year you are late, Gabriel. We were hungry, the kids wanted to eat, we were ready, we couldn't wait. You're all flesh and blood and you couldn't wait? You cut the turkey? That's it. That's the last time we come for Thanksgiving. Gabriel, come here for God's sake. Gabriel! Gabriel! Come back! Such a lunatic. Ridiculous. It's the same thing every year. You know, he, he, we wait for him, and he shows up late, and then, then we cut the turkey. You cut the turkey? It took us hours to get here. You live miles from nowhere. It's too far, for God's sake. Too far for relatives. Get new relatives. Get relatives that live near you and who you wait for. Gabriel, for God's sake, let's not make an issue you out of the You know what it is? That's what happens when you get to be wealthy. You got a wealthy son, so you don't even wait for your brother uh, to come before you cut the turkey. The hell with you! To hell with me? Yeah. Jules making a good living has nothing to do with when we cut the turkey. Nothing. When we lived in Avalon, nobody ate. You wait for everybody before you eat. Much less cut the turkey without a border. You move out here to the suburbs, and you think it doesn't matter anymore? The young ones are hungry. They carry on. They make a commotion. What do you want to do? Stand on ceremony with the family? There's always young ones. There's always young ones that are hungry and carry on as they want to eat. They got to wait till every relative is there before the turkey's caught. I said enough. Amy, I come from a very waspy family in New England. Uh, that is surprisingly small. I just had, uh, over the course of my, my life, I've had one cousin various times. So this movie is, it, I, I view it as a sociological experiment. I never had this. Is this more akin to what your experience was? Loud, brash, uh, fun with your family? Um, Not so much like my generation, but we had the movie really hit about my grandmother's family. And I am not going to spend the entire podcast talking about this, but my grandmother came over on the boat in 1914 when she was a baby. My great grandmother never went back to Italy, never saw her family again. Her father was already there um, and he owned a business, but they moved. They were Italian Catholic, darker skins, and they moved to a white Dutch Protestant neighborhood <laughs> They all changed their names. My grandmother on her birth certificate said Armenia, but she went by Amy. Hello, that's how I got my name. Shout out. And they were like the people in this story. They brought over, they saved, they brought over her uncles. And she had an uncle that was more like an older brother than an uncle because her father had so many brothers and he was one of like 11 kids. He opened a men's hat shop, which I kind of love. (laughs) And 
you know, and he was very successful. I mean, this through the Great Depression, like they had a house, they had a housekeeper, they wow. got new clothes for the holidays. I mean, they weren't like rich, but you know, they ate. But the sacrifices that they had to make, they didn't live in an Italian neighborhood. So my grand great grandmother didn't like have friends. Yeah, stuff like that. My great grandmother couldn't go to school and and talk to the teachers and stuff like that. The oldest sister kind of had to do all that. Hmm. Okay. So, Fascinating. So, and there were certain moments in this, but we'll touch on that later. That made me think of my grandma and her family. Definitely. That made me laugh. Okay. All right. I just wanted to establish a baseline of like where where we are. Family. We're not. Uh, and I don't. I'm not the keeper of the family history, so I don't. I don't know as much. But the film. I have to say, the film begins uh, on a great scene. It's you have a young, uh, young Sam, young Sam Krichinsky, or sort of our, the character who. All action revolves around played by the an patriarch. Old, yeah, the, the the patriarch play later in later in later times played by Armin Mueller-Stahl. He's arriving in America. He's taken I think he's taken the train down to Baltimore. He gets off the train, and it's the welcoming you want every time you go somewhere. Fourth of July, especially the United States. Especially <laughs> it's the Fourth of July. There are fireworks coming off. He thinks that is this what America is like. Every day, it's 1914. Everyone's happy, celebrating, and he—it's—it's it's beautiful. This is where the cinematography nod comes in. I just—I watched that. I, the 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 shots—they wow. are astounding. They're just so it's magical. Wonderful. It's it's magic. It evokes that magic of coming to a new place and finding special there this is not the old country this is the new country thing anything is possible you can meet a man who like his first encounter is with a a guy who is walking breaking in other people's shoes because that's what you can do in america because there's people that are rich enough to do that and i was like damn it's like i should like i would do that i do a lot of walking it's uh it's the the hopefulness And just the the joy in Sam, in young Sam's face while coming while while walking along this this boardwalk this brightly lit boardwalk with fireworks coming coming over, it is wonderful. It sets the it sets the tone for the rest of the movie, which is is great because the rest of the movie it goes it's not just all like America is great America is great it's it's slyly points out that there's there are a lot of a lot of problems here in America and you know and, and, and cut- it's hard to be it's hard to be a foreigner it's, in America. and it's very hard and to be a foreigner what I love about the opening is even if you are a cynical jaded person the opening scene will still make you smile oh yeah because as sentimental as it is it feels real and not false and that's what works about it because because what it is it's this is Sam remembering. This is Armin Mueller Stahl. He's he narrates the most of the movie. This is this is his memory, his story of what it was like. So maybe it's not true, but, he's but this is little munchkins. He's telling his little munchkins, and he's he's remembering the feeling. He might not get all the details right. He remembers the feeling of this, and that and that is that is what this is. This is I came to I came to America in 1914, and it was this. This is what America was like back then, and it's and it's and it's beautiful it's beautiful it is and uh the film is a slice of like 
sort of multi-generational take on the immigrant experience. It flashes backwards and forwards, so you will occasionally come to the later 40s, Armin Mueller-Stahl dealing with his with his his son, and it'll flash back to when he was earlier, younger, flashes ahead, flashes back. It's a lot of fun. How do you um how do you feel about the the, the framing device? How it it was uh, really it seamless. Okay. And I appreciated that. It didn't because it flowed so well, it didn't seem like, oh, okay, now we're back in time. Okay, now it's a flash forward. It all was like woven together like a beautiful tapestry. Because I love that it shows him and it shows him coming off and you see the fireworks and the colors are so beautiful. And then it sort of flashes and it's he's telling it to the little kids. And they've all heard the story. They they they, they know it word for word because right. the they're they're filling the they're filling it in. Which, if you got together with my grandmother and her two sisters, they did the same thing. They would talk about their summers at Lake George in New York, and like they had their cues all set up for like who told which part <laughs> of the story, and they all laughed at the same spot every time they told the story. But they were still so great to hear, and so you're watching it and you're watching him tell the kids. And then in your own mind, you're going back to your own life and reflecting on that. Yeah. And so even though they're this Jewish family, I'm thinking about, Oh, grandma, Aunt Kay, Aunt Jean. I remember when, you know, you would tell this story and that's for me. Maybe other people who didn't have an experience like that, maybe it would be different, but that's, what I got out of it and it just flowed really well without just jerking back and forth or you know yeah too much sometimes it's hard to get into a film that is not revolved it's not based on a plot it's it's because there's not much plot in Avalon it's more based on the theme of just coming to America and getting by and they're they're a little they're 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 but it's it's about but family. they're yeah it's it's about family and they're short stories but to weave a tale around that is a bit harder than to just go all right and we need to like get the we need to, indie needs to get the idol and get the arc and we you know, we, mm-hmm. we we follow we follow from there that it that this film is as successful in in just going this is about family this is about the immigrant experience in most of its forms here in America certainly it doesn't go it's not as dark as perhaps it could have gone but it's also not just this completely rosy picture is very well done and a tribute to Barry Levinson both as writer and director and for some people it and not to say but also at that time things were different like like I said I looked back on my grandmother and I looked like they had a house the Great Depression they ate meat. You know what I mean? Like they didn't quote unquote suffer. They weren't living in the dust bowl. Right. Now that's not how everybody was. You no, know what no. I'm saying? But it's and, it's this it's this particular experience. It's very you know it's I very mean? middle class. He owned a successful business and the trade off that they had to have was he wasn't Dominic Marino. He was Tom. His brother Vincenzo came over and became Sam. And Uncle Jim, whose real name, I don't even know what his name was. But you know what I'm saying? So they kind of had to sacrifice these things. But when you heard my grandmother talk about her childhood, it wasn't we were brutalized every single day of our (laughs) lives. It was like, oh, and then my Uncle Sam moved in with us, and he got a car, and we went to Lake George, and oh, it was so funny. (laughs) It sure was. It sure was. Hashtag Uh, R.I.P. Grandma. Yeah. Let's not get that trending. Um. 
the film is narrated by Armin Mueller Stahl, who one of the one of the great oaks of cinema, who is the is a guy you see in a lot of things and go, oh yeah, that guy, and then for some reason you don't remember. But watching him, he's got that he's got that that gruff voice, slightly accented, the mustache. I uh, did you want Armin Mueller Stahl? Do you want Sam Krasinski Krasinski to be your grandfather? Because I know I did. I was like, I want this. Like, I love, I love my, you want I love him my in grandpa. Your life. I do. I was like, like you don't even have to be related. Just, just tell me stories. Just, I want to come over. I just want you to tell me stories. I don't care if and I've heard them before. And be there to support me. Be there to support me because oh, when he picks up the little boy from school, oh, I love you. He was so sweet. Yeah, oh, it's it's great. And he he's a character who he adapts to the new situation, but he's still he's still very much. He is he is the immigrant. He is the one who came over, and this family is is his. He is not his uh, his son or his his other family who are born here who are more American than him. So mm-hmm. we get to see. So it's fascinating to see him, who still remembers the old country, have to go up against his uh, his son, uh, Aiden Quinn. Very underrated actor, Aiden Quinn. By oh, the way. we just so need we need to good. we need to we need to get that out of the way. He's great. He's he's lovely. If he's you very see, handsome. he's very handsome. He's great in Elementary. If you watch that show, uh, he's he's fabulous as as the Legends of the Fall. Yep, I Let's... was in love with him, not Brad Pitt. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, why does he get such a raw deal? Because he's Pitt going up against he's going up against Brad Pitt. Stupid. Really. Yeah, but Brad Pitt was gross in that movie. I'm not into that long hair. Get a haircut. <laughs> wow. All right. It's a it's a 23 year old movie. I think I think we're all we're all set. 24 year old. Um. So it's the it's this delightful clash. It's sometimes delightful. Delightful clash of father and son in a in a new world. And there's this this great scene. Sam is telling uh, the story of how his son uh, his son Jules met his wife and got married. And they're at this bar. And it's not it's not it's not really about the the, the wedding itself. It's about the mm-hmm. name. Jules has changed his name. He's changed it. He's no longer Krachinsky. He changed his name to Jules K. And I and I thought this is so fascinating because this is something I cannot relate to like on a super personal level on a super super personal level. I understand that my family did their names names were changed and you know and things happened, but I was never a part of that experience. And so to watch Sam have to like process that his son has changed his name and to lose that part of the old country is uh, is heartbreaking and but sam does it you know he plays it so well and so supportive that it's also great and just makes me love armin mueller stahl even more like he's dynamite he's the, dynamite in this movie the comment that he made that was poignant mm-hmm. is when he's talking about kevin pollock's character too and he's like you're cousins and you have different names yeah that really hit i don't know why because it's not <laughs> But it, it does make a difference. I mean, and this is totally different. But just as someone who changed her last name when she got married, which is people do it. It's obviously socially acceptable in some places, socially expected. But it is it is strange, even when it's totally normal. So I can't imagine what it would be like for a man to change his surname right. when they're expected to keep it. 
Yeah, it's fast man and plays really well in the movie itself because it you know becomes a thing. You know, it's the it's K it's K and K. Sam, um, Jules is with his uh, he's in business with his cousin Izzy, who changes his last name to Kirk, and they open up this this discount warehouse named uh, K and K Discount Warehouse. It, it it may be. What do you make of their relationship together? Of Jules and Izzy, what is Levinson trying to say about the second generation of immigrant families and like their salesmen? What is it? What are what what are we what are we getting at here? What are we commenting on? Well, it's the um, aspect of capitalism in the new country because, mm-hmm. like the father says, it's not about what you sell; it's about the salesman. Right. A good salesman can sell anything. That also, can. that. Like their forefathers, though, they're risk takers. His father came over, you know, by himself, didn't really have a whole lot going on and built this whole life. And yet they're building this business. And the whole time you're watching it, you're getting a little nauseous watching it because they keep going bigger and bigger and bigger. And the sales are not coming in. Right. And so and by that point, you love these characters so much that you're like, I don't want anything bad to happen to either one of you because I just like you so much. Right. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch them because America is what, what else is America? If not the land of reinvention and of selling yourself, it's, as you said, it's not about what they sell. It's about them as the salesman. Good salesmen can sell anything. And you first and foremost, you have to sell yourself in this country. You have to tell, you have to, Go! I I'm here. I'm important. I matter. This is this is what I this is what I have for you. And, and always it's, looking for the next big thing. And always looking for the next big thing. And because he sells televisions, which is all brand new at the time, yes. so that was kind of a risk. Definitely, yeah. They yeah, got to be on the edge. You gotta you gotta try and outthink your competition. It's a in some ways, it's a very cynical look at capitalism. Uh, the film and like because capitalism is kind of what America is based on, and that's. You know, people aren't coming over here for, I mean, they're, they're coming over here both either to escape something or because there's a lot of money going around and they can get a, they can get a piece of it in a way they could not in the old country, as it were. So to see them go bigger and bigger, it's like watching America go, you know, from dainty, you know, dainty world power to superpower. And it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating arc. That they go, and it's it's like the one big arc. We follow Izzy and Jules as they start. You know, they're they're selling they're selling things door to door for another company. Then they decide to go out on their own. Then they sell TVs, and the TVs is not good enough. We need to sell more. We need to get this building. Oh, but you know, why don't we get an even bigger building? It's just the way that capitalism can take anybody, regardless of where they are from, whether it's a immigrant. Whether it's uh, a born a born here American, however many generations, and just put them on this path, I think is very fascinating, and not something that is so overt in the movie as yeah. to as to make it like oh this is that political movie about uh, how capitalism can can just destroy you and and, and tear you down. I think like, no, it's 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 really not about that. It's about family and how you how you how a family deals with that situation in and of themselves and which makes the uh the the, cli- the climax of the film 
which there the warehouse burns down and it's 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 more than just that because you have uh, young Elijah Wood here who is a little pyromaniac who loves building model no, planes. It's not necessarily just about the fire. It's no, 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 no. When they go to the movies though in the movies it's like the most exciting thing ever. Oh yeah, Something yeah. Like, you know, they need a they need to get a cliffhanger. You know, we need to have yeah. a cliffhanger. We're going to we're going to we're going to make a model make a model plane line some glue uh down around the basement and we're going to light this sucker on fire which is glue that flammable it, we must have fixed that in the decades since then. i could see it being that flannel these are the people this was the generation of there was cocaine and coca-cola i mean come on yeah that, that's that, that that's true it's just, it's just there was silver dust in the tin man's face makeup in the wizard of oz they didn't care about stacy come on yeah, was whatever. yeah but but one thing that i really liked about the kids though is that they were so realistic oh, they yeah. weren't brats they weren't super precocious you know what i mean <laughs> like we've all done stupid things with our friends when we're little right and we don't always learn our lesson the first time around but yeah, it, and it, it was it was even hinted when they uh, they're bur- they're burning something in the basement. They're burning a a uh, burning a plane in the basement, and Sam like rebukes them, saying like, "Oh, you no, like- the grandma comes." Oh, the, down. yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, the the grandma comes down like, "You never learn. You never you never learn." And what they they never learn because they burn something in the factory in the in the warehouse on the very first day it's open. That's and surrounded by hay and surrounded by, it's, it's, stuff. Yeah, it's 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 almost comical how like this clearly is a fire hazard and I safety standards are terrible in the forties or fifties, whenever this is. Like, please let's let's just stop. And then of course the thing burns down. What makes it great? What what I mean, it's it's sad that the uh that it, it the, the place burned down, but it wasn't actually the kids. Spoiler alert. The not, opening night. Yeah, the the oh, the opening clearly night. Clearly, this huge success. Oh yeah, it was like there were lines around the lines around the block, but it there's uh, there's bad wiring, and what, it's also on the Fourth of July. Yeah, because because of course it is. Which Bringing it back. Which w- yeah, which brings it back to the opening shot is Sam coming. It's Fourth of July. There's optimism, and here now, counterposed against that, set them up side by side, and you have here is the American dream. Going up in flames while the fireworks go off overhead. There's this beautiful shot of uh, of Aiden Quinn just looking, staring off into the distance. There's there's fire fire in one corner. Reflection of the light on his face. face. Yeah, oh. and there, uh, fire in one fire in one corner of the frame, and fireworks in the other. And it's just magnificent. The commentary, like this is you know, the dream, can burn down in an instant. And then now what? It's uh, it's so it's really it's got, really good. Like, 80- thousand emotions on his face yeah eight thousand and then i i was disappointed that the uh there weren't more fireworks in the scene afterwards when when izzy was telling jules that there was no insurance for for that i i I know i kind of threw up in my mouth during that scene like that's how invested i was in these characters i i did i was like oh god yeah you're like (laughs) oh and 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 jules is very level-headed He's a great character. He gets stabbed and is surprisingly cool with everything. He's just going along. And I just, I wanted him to finally 
I don't want to say grow a pair, but just snap because Izzy has been pulling him along this entire time from one successful venture or you know slightly successful venture to now this, and it's it's all up it's all up in smoke. The American dream is up in smoke because Izzy couldn't. Izzy had to take the insurance money to make a to make an ad like I. And then he's like, "Well, you know, I did tell you that we were shifting money around, kind of implying like it's your fault." And it's yeah, like, and you're like, "Oh, come on, like screw you, and Kevin it's hard Pollock." Because Kevin Pollock is such a likable guy in literally every single thing he's in, so you're yeah. like, "Oh, Kevin Pollock, you just broke my heart a little bit." Just, 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 just broke my. You broke the heart of every immigrant but family I love in America. How and I remember when Elijah Wood bravely goes to Grandpa's house to tell him what he's done when he still thinks that he's the one that did it. And he's such a brave kid. And I, what honestly, one of the best child performances I've ever seen. And he's not even a little Italian kid, so yeah. that's saying a lot. Of course, of course then, Elijah Wood's gra- brave. He's and the grandfather, him. he's very good. He's so good. He's in a couple of good movies, right. too. And the grandfather. So he... um. When he goes to the grandpa and the grandpa's like, he has something to tell you. And the fact that Aiden Quinn doesn't, like, murder his child, I was, like, he's surprisingly calm about this. Yeah. But he sits and he lets the little... Because the thing is, the kid does still actually have to learn the lesson of, like, stop lighting fires. Right. <laughs> like, he really he really deserved a whooping. Like, if he had taken his belt off and, you know, done a little damage there, I wouldn't have exactly held it against him because it was in the 1930s, 40s, whatever. But the dad was like, how many times did I tell you not to do that? And he's like, this many? And he's like, okay, now I'll let you know. Yeah. It wasn't your fault. Which is a parent. Would you have told him that? I think I might have let him or, stew a bit longer. Yeah, also, really also, the, also, also, fire investigations, They, I think they take a bit longer than that. So you wouldn't actually have that information. I understand why they had to. Uh, yeah, shorten that time frame, but like, keep that in your pocket a little longer, Dad. Yeah, it just gotta make them almost set fire to their basement, and then um, you know, yeah, and then didn't it. learn, and you know, and you know, I, I was kind of happy. I'm like, you know what, Michael, I'm glad you got stung by bees. That was it's fine. It's fine. But I just remember thinking, Aiden Quinn is surprisingly calm. He's so I'm calm. Wonderful father ever, but I would be dead. Oh yeah, I think I burning burning down the family business. The family business. I think that that would have been a bridge too far for my family. Uh, With the stupid was... prank that you've been told not to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My be... entire family would have just come together and like beat. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we've been talking. We've talking about the talking about the guys because the, the film focuses a lot on. Jules and Sam and, and, and Izzy and Michael. But, you know, the, the ladies here, uh, the women in the family are great. Uh, I'm going to start with, we're going to start with Joan Plowright as the matriarch. Oh my, oh my, my word, Joan Plowright. Uh, amazing, amazing. He, uh, he's uh, Sam's, um, Sam's wife who just, who just, holds, just holds it down. Hold it down. She's great. I, and I she's believe there's a good. yeah. She's she's very good. And I believe Olivier left Vivian Leigh for Joan Plowright. Is that or he was with Joan Plowright later in life? I didn't look up the entire story, but he should have just been devoted to Vivian Leigh his whole life because he was with Vivian Leigh, and she's amazing. And 
I don't care if she suffered from depression or whatever other issues. She's Vivian Lee. She's a goddess yeah. and deserves to be respected as such. So until Vivian Lee died, he should have just been devoted to her. But they separated before she died. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. Fair enough. You have Joan Plowright. And Joan Plowright is, is a, she's a terrific actress. She's wonderful in everything she is. She had no Vivian Lee. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Return of classic movies. And and see, but you have Joan Plowright as the the immigrant, uh, as the immigrant uh, mother, and you have Elizabeth Perkins, who I believe was born and raised in America. I didn't, we didn't quite get to understand all uh, all of all. Yeah, of her I view. got that she was American. Yeah, I got that. I do, I do, I do love her. I do love her one line when she's sitting there on the on the on the stairs with all the uh, all the kids, and they ask her, "What's a first cousin twice removed?" And she says, "I have no idea." And I was like, and I thought, you know what, Elizabeth Perkins, I am right there with you. I don't what all of this because I have a very small family. Again, I have one cousin. Like I don't need to know this stuff. I don't get this the whole family web and whatnot. It's it's just brilliant. But yeah, but she's they're they're wonderful in the movie towards towards these guys, and they're like and uh, Elizabeth Perkins is great when she's with Aiden Quinn and vice and vice versa at when they're. Their husband and yes. wiping, especially towards the end when Sam is getting on in years and he's slowing down, his body's starting to fail them, and you just see the the, the pain on Aiden Quinn and Elizabeth Perkins' face as they realize that Dad can't live with us anymore, and it's uh, depressing and frightening. And there's so, there's so I good. was thinking more of the living with the mother-in-law who doesn't think he can do anything. Oh, that him. too. Yeah, I can't. I can't relate when to that exactly. She will but not get in the car when she won't get in the when Joan Plowright will not get in the car with Elizabeth Perkins because she doesn't trust her as a driver. And then later, Elizabeth. Oh, it's so funny. Elizabeth Perkins leaves the car, gets out of the car. Some freak accident happens. The car is obliterated, and the mother-in-law is like, "Oh well." If you know, if I had gone with you, that would have happened. She's like, but that's not my fault. That's a freak accident. She goes, all I know is that you had the car and it got destroyed. And she's like, but it was like, oh. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, yeah I, I have not been privy to be, to be personally involved in a conversation like that. But uh, my wife is Jewish and therefore has a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother. And I have heard conversations like that where that are accusatory but so passive aggressive as to i'm not be saying so, it was yeah. your fault i'm just saying i'm just saying you were driving the car and the street car hit it like oh in a street car went off the oh yeah and i uh i just i and then rather walk home and take a street oh yeah, yeah, it's uh. Let's like, take my mom home, and she's like, she won't ride with me. And he's like, what do you mean she won't ride with you? She won't ride with me. It's too soon. I haven't been driving long enough. My dad and grandfather were that way. Oh yeah. My father and my mother's father, who was like old school. He did this whole thing where like he always shoveled. They live in Patterson, Jersey. He used to shovel the snow with like a shovel and not a snowplow. And my dad was like, well, if you do it this way, it'll be easier. And he's like, no, but then it'll put the snow in the neighbor's yard. And my dad's like, but we can go plow that out. And he's like, Michael, if you're not going to do it my way, just go <laughs> home and I'll do it myself. My dad was like, but it's like eight times harder this way. But he's like, Michael, give me the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
family loves them so much. People, they're the best. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of brothers in contention with each other, where are you? What side do you fall on in the great turkey fight in the film? Where? Oh, okay. I definitely have a fight. I'm with uh, Sam. You're with Sam. Okay. Okay. Good. We Let's can be friends. Tell you something that I don't have patience for. People who are late. Preach on. I do not have patience for it. If you know dinner is at a certain time, you get your ass there. I hate going over to other people's houses, and this might make me sound mad, but when they say, like, we're going to eat at, like, 1, and you get there and you don't eat until, like, 5, which when you're a regular adult, that's one thing. When you have small children that you haven't fed because you heard that the meal is going to be served at one time, Mm -hmm. I'm a... Let's call it, and we're going to start eating it. Let it be known if we are to dine together, show up on time. Yeah, I'm a stickler for getting things done on time. My time is very precious to me. And everybody's like ready to eat. If yeah, and the kids are the kids are everybody dying. Everybody wait for you. Screw you. Yeah, because that's... It's, it's a power play. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a power play, and it's obnoxious, and it is narcissistic. Not like I know. Right. And if you and if you know that you have to travel far, give yourself extra time to account Thank for traffic. You. Or and, you call ahead and say we're getting out late, eat without right. us. I mean, it's, it's certainly back then. Maybe, maybe, you could, maybe calling ahead was not not that not that easy to do. But nowadays, just be like, hey, start without us. It's cool. And then when you get there, you apologize profusely, and you are happy that nobody waited for you. Yeah. What, what were they actually arguing about? What were Gabriel and Sam actually arguing about? Oh. Then it wasn't because it wasn't the turkey. The, the turkey is just the, is the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. <laughs> the the McStuffin in the turkey. That I'll work on that. Anyways, but it was that George kept giving Sam help, and Sam kept leaving from whatever he was doing with George to break out on his own. And then if it didn't work out, he'd go back to George, and George was always there for him. So the attitude was like, after all I've done for you, you can't sit and wait to eat. Screw yeah. you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not about turkey. It's about literally life. never talked again. Yeah, which was there. A, a striking thing about this is that that is never resolved. Uh, like, they, we never, we ne- I think we see Gabriel again during one of the, the, the family circle meetings when they all have the, they'll figure out what they're going to do for the year, et cetera. But they, there's no, there's no reconciliation there or anything. For all we know, George, uh, Gabriel has died at the, at the end of the, at the end of the movie. And we don't, we, we don't know. It's, 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 ter- it's where to me, I, I kind of laughed at the scene. Cause I'm like, this is ridiculous. These people are being completely irrational, but uh, I, having, been around a lot of other folks that go, no, this is, these little things are the things that drive That's a family. Sure. Yeah. And for it's years and years and years and years and years. And when he starts saying like, I can't believe you waited for me at first, it does seem kind of funny and trivial, but when he's like, every time you've needed me, I've been there for you. Yeah. Been, and then when we need you, you're not there for us. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. There's it's like, we're, like, we're talking about disrespect here. There's some past issues coming up, but Oh, every yeah. slight. Yeah. But the but the scene is done so remarkably well because it goes from it goes from zero to sixty awfully fast. 
and it's still like really fun. You can't, you just can't believe these two characters. They're having a full on fight. They're walking out the door. Gabriel's taking his wife and they're leaving. Oh, it's ridiculous and so and so wonderful because you have Lou Jacoby and you have uh, and you have Armin Mueller Stahl just going at it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and you know the, the it's a fun it's a funny movie at times. It's not it's not a ha ha funny, but there's just there are moments of amusement, like when they get the TV for the first oh, time. <laughs> Watch it like warm up, and they yeah just to watch it just the, just the, the old black and white warm up warm up screen for minutes, and it, everyone's just enraptured. And like Sam goes, breathing. "Yeah, it's not even like something like they know something's gonna happen. Like, is this is this it?" And Sam goes, "Well, yeah, that's that's television." And the kids are just wide eyed, like kids are all kids always are on television. Fun little fun little things like that. But um, what do you think Levinson is saying about the suburbs? In this movie, because way the way I see it, all of the problems started when they got when they got out of Baltimore, and not that one should have stayed in Baltimore, but like this man, the suburbs are. Uh, there, there's a Michael. I think asked mom, "What are the suburbs?" And I just wanted to say, "Well, Michael, it's a place where the black people aren't." Because that's really what was fueling a lot of that at the at the time. Um, I don't think that was really a thing they had on on in mind as they Nothing were making I think the movie. People actually said, but it's it whatever. I, it, my, mom, it, it, my mom grew up in Patterson, New Jersey, man, uh, and Patterson was very different when she grew up. And then we all lived about half an hour away when I was little, and it changed a lot. It changed. It changed. It, it changed a lot. So what do, what do you think Levinson is saying about the suburbs? You could tell he's film? not such a huge fan of the suburbs. They're lame. They're boring. He'd much rather be with his family in the city. Yeah. Everyone it, together. Yeah. Everyone together. Everyone is everyone crammed into the same house. Like, so what if you got a Rock big lawn? That's where your cousins live. Yeah. It's a, it did. It, it's, it's, it's a very pro city, pro urban life, urban life film. Because it, Suburbs, they feel so uh, uptight in, mm-hmm. in the in the movie. Which I, as someone who who's lived in the city for a very long time, now, I, I I I go back to the suburbs and I cannot stand it. Mom, Dad, I know you're listening. I love coming home, but I yeah 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 yeah. It's just like like I can I can take the baby to a playground and. It's five minutes away. At the, in, in home, I have to put the baby in the car. Like, what is this putting the baby uh, in the car? What is I this? What is this? Dri- what is this driving around thing? Living in because I live five minutes away from a playground. So, oh, and well. I live in the suburbs. Okay, that, that that's fair. That's fair. That's fair enough. In, in the city, there's not not actual. You know, not every place is close by. But man, there's so much to do in the city. I love it. I love it, and I'm so so Avalon. I am with you there. And I'm not anti city, but I'm just saying, like, it's nice when we go to our friends' houses and the kids can just kind of go outside and play. That is nice. They're you know positive. We can kind of just keep an eye on them, but they're totally safe because they're all like fenced in and yeah. stuff. All right, we uh we're we're running low on time. The ending of the film is where I I went over from. I like this to I pretty sure I love this. Sam is now in a retirement home or an old and not a, in an old folks home you know, jewels and uh, 
put him there because he's fall he's fallen apart. And he has this line. Sam has this line that I think encapsulates the American experience. I'm going to paraphrase it. It's basically you work all your life, you save all your money to spend it so you can exist in a place like this. Not live. You just exist. Yeah. And I thought that is from, to come from the beautiful fireworks of 1914 to now. It's the 60s or 70s whenever whenever it is and to go from, from op- the highest optimism to this beleaguered acceptance of the world you live in i thought this is my heart sank because i love i love sam so much that see him just cast cast aside like we do in america is heartbreaking it's 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 profound and it's a beautiful sentiment and it makes it it brings the film from not just a yay isn't america great to america's got some problems and we need to and we need to adjust that how we how we deal with getting to that point in your life where all the people that you know are gone yeah and joe rivers once made a comment about how hard it was that a lot of her elderly you know people her age were dead and she said you just want to have a, someone that you could be like, hey, remember that time? But when all those people are, who remember that with you are gone, that's yeah. And the, and Yeah, and even you know, beforehand, we had Joan Plowright's funeral. And coming, you know, and as they were walking away, Sam said, you know, Gabriel wasn't there. So-and-so wasn't here. Like, this is not a family. This isn't a, family, well, doesn't, family doesn't send, your, send the, the elders off to an old folks' home. Family sticks by them. And when it, uh, it's profound and, and moving, and and Armin Mueller Stahl just he sells it. He's so great in it. And yes, now that now that we come to it, yes, Armin Mueller Stahl absolutely deserved a best oh, supporting actor nomination. Anthony, we're on the same page. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's it's great. Uh, I would. Um, would you give it to Joan Plowright? Who would you give any other acting awards to or nominations to anybody? Um. Joan Plowright was okay. I don't know if I would give her a nod. It was it was more about him. I think he was definitely the integral part of that entire movie. So he definitely should have gotten a nomination for it. I would have. I would, I, I like. I could see a see a world where you give Aiden Quinn a nomination as well. But if you have to give it to just one, you give it to Armin Mueller-Stahl. He's uh, yeah. He's great. He's in the he's entire. The he's, yeah, he's a linchpin. He's narrating. He just has a voice where you're like, I need to give this man an Oscar. Please let me let me do and that. You do. Right now. And you want to like sit on his lap? At, you want to be a little girl and like sit on his lap and have him like tell you stories and give you candy out of his pocket. Oh yeah, oh it's it's great. Uh, did the film deserve any other uh, non best picture nominations? We'll just we'll just cover those I think first. I agree with all the ones that that we already said. Okay, all right. So yeah, that I mean, is obviously nominated for those the, those four other ones. Yeah, give to Armin Mueller Stahl. Uh, yeah, I it's, can't think of any you know. I can't think of any other like technical awards. The score is very good and definitely deserves that. But you know, the sound is the, everything else is fine. It's a very well the done look of the movie. Well made. The art um, direction, all that stuff, costumes, art direction. Levinson, Rob, like you could squeak. You put Levinson on there. He's coming off a of Rain Man. This is his follow up film. Like I think, I think that would get you a lot of cachet to uh, to nominate Levinson for best director. I don't think he would win. Take out Scorsese. What did he ever do? What? Yeah, who's who's that guy? I don't. It's fine. It's 
whatever. But um, would you nominate it for Best Picture? Yes. You would. What would and you I take out? I would take out. I would take out Awakenings, and I would take out Ghost. Take out Awakenings. Take out Ghost. Okay. Okay. Uh, this definitely makes a, a a case for it. I'm going to agree with you. I'm saying, yeah. You know what? I can see this, and especially now, watch watching this movie 28 years later with all that's going on about immigrants. I go, you know what? We need to <laughs> we need to watch this and go, yo. We are a nation of immigrants. We need to remember that. Yeah, it's it's different. These these are immigrants with white skin, but whatever. It's it's mm. we all come to America for There's a dream. That. We come we come to America for a dream. And Although this is with all the anti-Semitism in the world oh, as God, of this yeah, week is... and this morning and yesterday. Oh, it's madness. Uh, it's still prevalent it's 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 still prevalent so uh i think this movie is, it might be even more relevant now than it was in the in 1990 when things were when things were going well or at least you know, i had this oh, sense that things were good was good does anyone even remember anything about that movie i uh i remember de niro crushing it and uh and robin williams and robin williams was great okay yeah i did, i don't remember and uh yeah and, Ghost is part of our pop culture. It's not my favorite, yeah. but do we not? Uh, do we not want to? Uh, to should we remove another tale about immigrants from the old country? Godfather Part Three. Never saw it. Never saw it. Hot garbage. Nominated on the strength of the fact that it, it's, it's a, a god. It's a Godfather movie, and the first two movies won Best Picture. Two, and two of the greatest movies ever. Two, two, so two phenomenal movies. We so can take that out. The only two that really have to be in there are Dances with Wolves and Goodfellas. Absolutely. Obviously. Because obviously. And um, we, will, we, we will debate that till the cows come home. I think until the end of time. Just always. That's what. On the deathbed. Home. Yeah, on the deathbed. She'll, 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 be, she'll be talking about that. Like, Anthony, thank you so much for writing in. This was a, a lot of fun to talk about this movie. I had, I had a great time. Thank you for opening our eyes to an underrated, underseen gem of a film and for really taking, uh, taking to heart the listener request uh, fun of this And I want to see it again. I, I kind of want to see it again, too. I, I definitely want to watch it again. It's, a, it's an easy movie to, to just, just watch in and out. I don't feel like, oh, I have to watch Avalon now. It's like, oh, I'll watch Avalon. This is great. I, if it's on TV, I will definitely just tune yeah. in. Tune in. Next week for Listener Request Month, we are going to discuss a film about a nefarious blood sucker who destroys everything and everyone around him in a desperate pursuit of his dreams. It also features a vampire. That's right. 2000's Shadow of the Vampire. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. It'll be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I haven't thought about this movie in years. Ah, well, oh, get get thinking, get thinking, get watching. Next week, uh, the request the request for this month is closed. But if you would like us to review a film, you can still write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail or find us on social media at oscarwatchpod. Please do. We love hearing from you guys. We want to know what films you want us to talk about. Because you know, sometimes we get bored of the best picture winners or nominees, and we need to we need to break out of the box a little bit. So, do find us. Like do write us. Five easy pieces. Yay. Yay! Tell us. Get us off our asses to be like you need to discuss X Y Z so and so film. 
We look forward to that. And until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet. Thank you.